0: Lessons that I've sensed God trying to teach me in this season, and the reason I say I sense that He's trying to teach me this is because this same lesson keeps coming up over and over and over. And I'm convinced that I I have not yet learned it, or I have not yet learned it sufficiently. So, in the school of life and in the school of Jesus's discipleship and leadership, He keeps bringing this lesson back to my attention. And uh, and this is the lesson, if I could sum up the whole sermon in one sentence this morning. Here's the whole sermon in one sentence: is You can be comfortable or you can be growing, but very rarely can you be both of those things at the same time. You can be comfortable or you can be growing, but very rarely can you be both of those things at the same time. That so often in the kingdom of God, our desire for comfort is is actually antithetical to the very thing that God is wanting to do in us and through us for the sake of those around us. And it is so often my obsession with comfort and my longing for comfort and my hunger for comfort that actually keeps me out of the very thing that I was made for. And that is the greater purposes of God because we can choose comfort or we can choose growth, but very rarely do we get both of those things at the same time. And we, we see this in every sphere of life, you know this to be true physically, that, it, that if you want to, to grow physically, very rarely are you gonna grow physically in the context of your physical comfort. You know, all of our boys right now are in these kind of crazy growth, uh, growth spurts. And so the other night I was tucking in my youngest son, seven years old, and as I was tucking him into bed, he, he said to me what he so often has said in this season, he goes, dad, I need you to rub my legs, my legs hurt. And what Sidney and I so often say to him in those moments, he says, buddy, sorry, your legs are hurting. Your legs are hurting because you are what? Somebody shouted out, because you are, you're growing. And here's what we know is physically growth very rarely happens in the context of comfort. You can grow or you can be comfortable, but very rarely are you both at the same time. So physical growth so often happens in the context of discomfort. I'm reminded of this every morning when Sydney's alarm goes off and it's dark and she's making the decision to go to the gym. She's making the decision to to grow physically. And then I'm trying to make the decision, do I wanna be comfortable or do I wanna grow? Spoiler alert, I choose comfort most of the time. And despite all of my wishes, my comfort is not leading to the physique that I desire to have, right? Because comfort and growth very rarely happen in the same space. True physically, this is true relationally. I was talking to a young guy in our church, he got married back in the fall, still kind of in that honeymoon phase of marriage. He and I were going for a walk a few weeks ago. And I said, hey, tell me, how's the first few months been? He says, it's been amazing. He goes, but we've had our first kind of like big marital blowout argument fight. He goes, have you and Sydney ever had one of those? I'm like, no. It's like, it's been 17 years up and to the right. cloudless skies, like you know, just easy sailing every day, better than the next. And I'm like, of course, of course we've had those moments of intense fellowship. Of course we've had those moments of not seeing eye to eye. And I said, I said how'd, you, how'd you get into that moment? And it's it brilliant. I don't even know that he was trying to be wise, but he was so wise. He said, I had this choice. He goes, I knew there was another level of intimacy. There was a part of my life that I was holding back from my wife but the only way that we could get to that deeper place of intimacy was if I had the courage to bring out some stuff that would be uncomfortable for us to deal with. And I had to choose between being comfortable or being intimate. And right after I brought the stuff out, I thought I should have just chosen comfort. (laughs) Because it wasn't like, hey, uncomfortable choice, instant intimacy. It was uncomfortable choice, oh my goodness, how do I get everything back into the can that I just opened, like, how do I fix that? Because you can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely can you have both of those things simultaneously. It's true physically, it's true relationally, it's it's true intellectually. It's true intellectually, like, so often, the, the greatest breakthroughs intellectually are found when you have the courage to let someone mess with the paradigm that you've grown up with. When you have the courage to let someone ask the question that you don't want to answer. (laughs) When you have the courage to, to see that issue from a different side, from a different angle, when you have the courage to let somebody disrupt What has always fit so neatly, I think about one of my friends who is about to be 70 years young. She's amazing, just filled with life. And one of the things that's so beautiful about this dear friend of mine is she has never quit learning. And what she would say is that every time she enters into a season of learning, first she has to have the courage to get uncomfortable. She goes, Dave, do you know how uncomfortable it is to be the 70-year-old that is sitting as the student at the feet of a 30-year-old? Do you know how uncomfortable it is to be a 70 year old that is allowing what I've always thought to be true to be poked and pushed and challenged and stretched? Because here's what my friend is learning is, you can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely can you have both. This is true physically, this is true relationally, this is true intellectually. And guys, this is so true in the kingdom of God. This is so true spiritually in your journey with Jesus. Is, is you can allow God to grow you into all that he wants to grow you into, or, or, or you can work to insulate yourself from the work of Jesus in your life by pursuing and protecting and cultivating comfort, but you cannot be comfortable and grow very often in the same season as you're following Jesus. And guys, here's what's so tough. Even as I wrestle with this truth in my own life, Jesus keeps trying to teach me this in this season, is if I am given the choice between growth or comfort, 99% of the time, what is Dave Clayton gonna choose? What am I gonna choose? Somebody shout it out. What would I choose? Come on, guys. Why are you so down on me? The only one who had the courage to yell out was my son because he sees it like, he's like, comfort. That man is comfortable. That man is scared of growth. That man is not on a trajectory of faith. I see my dad like... Like, guys, that, nine times out of 10, and maybe that's too generous. When given the choice between comfort or growth, this dude is gonna choose comfort. And Jesus, in his kindness, in his kindness, he will invite us into places in situations in which we get to decide whether or not we will step out of our comfort zone in order for God to take us into the places, in order for God to do in us the things that he wants to do. You can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely can you do those things simultaneously. I love this, this moment in Matthew chapter 14. I think it's such a snapshot of what life with Jesus and the kingdom of God looks like. If you're here last week, you know Jesus shows up in Peter's life and he brings about this glorious disruption. He says, leave everything you think you know, come and follow me. And the way that we want the story to go is that Peter has that moment of glorious disruption then everything just goes great. But what you're gonna see is this invitation to this constant cycle, this constant invitation to step outside of the comfort zone, to get outside of that place where everything feels under your control, where everything feels so predictable so that God can get your attention again. And there's this moment in Matthew chapter 14 where we're gonna see about a six hour window in the life of Peter and the other disciples. And I believe in so many ways, it's just a snapshot of what our larger life with Jesus looks like. And so here's, here's the, the backdrop of this story. You get to Matthew chapter 14, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for several months at least, maybe up to a year at this point. They've been on this journey of faith Jesus has just received the news that his cousin, his dear friend, John the Baptist, has just been executed for his allegiance to Jesus. Jesus is grieving, he's sad, he wants to get away for a little alone time to grieve, to process with the Lord. But at the beginning of Matthew chapter 14, Jesus gets alone with his disciples and he gets to that retreat spot and there's 5,000 needy people waiting for Jesus's attention. I'm not sure what your idea of vacation is, not my idea of vacation, but Jesus in his compassion, in his kindness, he teaches them, he feeds them, he blesses them, he cares for them. And now there's this moment when the miracle has been done and Jesus is getting ready to step into the moment that he's been waiting for. Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 22 with me. Just wanna read through this story then we're, we're gonna pull out some things together. It says immediately after this miracle, it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And so this miracles just happened. He says, I want you guys to get in a boat. These guys were all fishermen by trade. That was the most comfortable place they could have been. They're not just in a boat, but he puts them on the water that they spent their whole life fishing. Most comfortable place, most comfortable setting. He says, get in the boat, go to the other side. This is like the easiest instruction that Jesus could have given the disciples. Then he dismissed the crowds, verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there all alone. And so now Jesus finally gets what he had wanted. He gets a little time alone with the Lord. He's letting God speak into his heart again. This is what we spoke about a few weeks ago when we talked about the need for solitude. Verse 24, but by this time, as Jesus was up on the mountain, the boat was a long way off from the land. It was beaten by the waves and the wind was against them. I love the way that Mark describes this moment. He says, the disciples were in the boat in the place that Jesus had called them to be. says they were straining at the oars. The wind was in their face, stepped into the very thing that God had just told them to step into. And it's not working the way that they had expected it to work. And so verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, this is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, some of us have grown up in church. We've been in church way too long that you're not surprised or affected by that statement anymore. But I this moment, Jesus, the son of God, filled with the spirit of God, the one that had spoke all of the natural laws into existence, that had created the very water. He said, hey, just for a moment here, I'm going to defy everything that, we, that you know about the way that the world works. And he says, I don't have a boat. I'm just gonna just cruise along the top of the water. I'm just gonna walk to the boat. Another sermon for another day. Some of you are going, is that a metaphor? It's not a metaphor. He literally walked on the water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost because they go, humans can't do that. And they cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And so Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I love this and Jesus calls this bluff. Jesus says, come. <laughs> he says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. He came to Jesus. I just want you to think about this moment for just a second. What would, what would this have been like? Peter's like, hey, Jesus, is that you? If it's you, tell me to come. Jesus is like, hey, come on. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and I just imagine Peter stepping over the side of the boat, testing the water the way that I tested a tree house after I built it in the backyard for the kids. You know? Like I'm holding onto the tree and I'm putting like one leg on at a time and then the second leg, and then I bounce a little, and then take the hands off, you know. I just imagine Peter on the side of the boat, like just testing the water, like, is this gonna work? Maybe he was more bold than that. Maybe he jumped out, did a cartwheel, sprinted across the water, I don't I don't know, but I just want you to picture the scene. He gets out and now he's walking on the water with Jesus. Verse 30, but when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid and he began to sink. Apparently he didn't pass the swim test and he begins to sink and he cried out. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached down his hand. I just, I love that thought. The waves are coming up over Peter's face. His hand is out. This rough hand of a carpenter reaches down into the water. Have you ever shaken hands with somebody that does manual labor? Their hand just kind of engulfs your hand. I just imagine the hand of Jesus just reaches down, grabs Peter. I love this. He takes hold of him, pulls him up out of the water. He says, you have little faith. Why'd you doubt? Some of your Bibles say, why'd you hesitate? Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. Understatement of the evening. And when they crossed over to the other side, they came to the land. Of Gennesaret. Now, all, all this stuff that, that we could look at here, but I want us for just a moment to think about the difference be, between how we want to grow in the faith and how we actually grow in the faith because the difference between those two things is radically different. I think about a conversation I had a few months ago with a, a young guy that I've been discipling and mentoring and he became a follower of Jesus this past summer and he and I were walking around the neighborhood. I said, how has your journey of faith been thus far. And he said, you know, I'm four months in and I really expected to be a whole lot better at being a Christian than I am. And I'm like, dude, I'm 26 years in and I relate to that. Like I expect to be a whole lot better at being a Christian than I actually. am. because how I expected to grow in the faith and how I actually grow in the faith are, are really different. How I, how I wanted to grow looks a little something like this up and to the right. You know, I hear the truth, I believe the truth, I experience the truth. I grow in the truth and I never never falter in that. I never doubt. I never struggle. It's just like Jesus told me, I believed it. I experienced it and just life kept getting better and better and better and better and better. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but here's what I'll say is I don't know. I was never taught this, but I cannot tell you how deeply I believe it. And so often this just comes with the territory. I'll take a step of faith like we saw last week, Luke 5. I'll, I'll drop the nets. I'll step into whatever God has for me. I heard the truth. I believe the truth. I experienced the truth. I'm growing in the truth. And what we expect is that we will have a little moment of temporary discomfort. And then from then on out, it's growth. It's up and to the right. But what you see so often in in the journey of faith is that you can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely do those things happen simultaneously. We expect for growth to look up and to the right, but what growth typically actually looks like is something more like this. It's just like up and down. It's just like crash into the the journey of the pit of despair. Just think about Matthew 14, I just wanna move through it pretty quickly this morning. just as a snapshot of what life in the kingdom, what growth in the kingdom often actually feels like. It starts in this place of hearing, just a really simple instruction from Jesus. Look back at verse 22. In verse 22, Jesus gives them this really simple instruction. He doesn't say, "'Hey, sell all your possessions and go to the nations.'" He doesn't say, hey, muster up the strength to forgive that person that hurts you. Jesus doesn't call them to sell all of their possessions and give their money to the poor. The simple, the simple call on their life at the beginning of the journey is in the midst of an ordinary day. He says, hey, get in that boat. Get in that boat on that water that you're used to. And God, I just want to normalize this for a moment. So often the greatest adventure of faith begins in the most mundane, seemingly ordinary kind of moments in our life. And if you spend your whole life waiting for something extraordinary, you will actually miss what God is doing. And so the journey of growth, it so often begins with us just hearing Jesus's instructions in the context of something mundane and ordinary. And then once we hear him, kind of the next place that you see in Matthew 14 is we have to choose to obey. And so once again, not this bold step of obedience. I doubt the disciples got in a prayer group, sent out something to their email list. Hey, pray for us. We don't know whether or not we should get in the boat tonight or not. Ordinary day, ordinary ask, ordinary step, and they get in the boat, they're right where Jesus has called them to be, and it leads them all of a sudden to this place that they didn't expect. Kind of the third thing that you see in the journey of Matthew 14 is this place of unexpected resistance. They get into the journey and the wind is in their face. The rowing is more difficult than anticipated. They said yes to God, but saying yes to God has not felt like saying yes to God is supposed to feel. Have any of you ever had that moment before? I mean, I know God told me to do this. Why is it so hard? Years ago, I was at at Baja Burrito, best restaurant on earth. And um, I was at Baja and I sit down Uh, with our family and I look over and I don't know how to explain it. There's just this this simple like just thing in my spirit that said, hey, you need to go talk to those guys over there and just share the Lord with them. And I look over, it's like three or four guys like sitting there about my age. And I'm like, okay, God, here I am in my most comfortable place on earth, Baja Brito, with my favorite people. And okay, I'll do this. Bold moment of obedience step out, guys, I crashed and burned. Like, I walked up to these guys at their table, hey, how's it going? They're like, why is this stranger talking to us? I'm like, I just feel like the Lord invited me to come over and just talk with you. And it it could not have gone worse. I think the guys like believed in Jesus less when I left their table. All of them were like, we were Christians until now, and uh, you've caused us to reconsider based on how poorly this conversation is going." That's how it felt. Guys, sometimes God in the ordinary moments, he calls you to do something. You step out and what you experience is not a whole lot of breakthrough. What you get is a whole lot of resistance, a whole lot of wind in the face so here the disciples are, the, the wind is in their face. They're, they're on the water and Jesus shows up. And I love this. He does not remove the resistance, but he calls them. Notice the next part of the story. He calls them into a greater step of obedience, a greater step of faith, something harder than just getting in the boat. Now he's gonna say, hey, Peter, you thought that was hard. I want you to get out of the boat. And I want you to walk to me. I want you to take this, this step that doesn't make any sense, that none of your friends are, you have no context for this. I want you to get out of the most comfortable place. I want you to step into the unknown and I want you to trust that I'm gonna show up in a way that you can never ask or imagine. <laughs> Remember years ago, Sydney and I were coming back from a retreat, this little prayer retreat that we've been on. We're driving back and, and i it's a long story, I'm gonna to try to make it really simple. We're coming back from this retreat and we just sensed that in that season, for whatever reason, God was inviting us to sell our house. We, we didn't know why, they didn't make any sense. We had three kids between the ages of one and five um, in a great neighborhood, you know, great time to sell, terrible time to have to buy another house. But we just felt this clear instruction from God, we're supposed to sell our house, didn't know why. So this moment, okay, we're gonna step out. So we put the for sale sign in the front yard step of faith. Everybody's asking us questions like, why are you doing this? Does it make sense? Where are you gonna go? Have no idea. Every time somebody asked a question, we doubted the step of faith even more than we had before. And so there's this moment, you know, Peter steps out. He gets out. And all of a sudden, the next place is he experiences what I would just call this place of temporary euphoria because when, when you obey the Lord so often, there is this shot of joy. There's this shot of like, yes, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like just like, oh Lord, like, like what can we do together? I remember when we put the for sale sign in our house and because it was Nashville, we sold it in like 11 minutes and it was like, temporary euphoria like yes like lord we're, we're so brave like send us to the nations what do you want you know it's like so bold so so excited and what so often comes after that moment of temporary euphoria is you go over the edge of the roller coaster and it's into this place of just total failure and total desperation we sell the house and one week goes by and two weeks goes by and three weeks go by and it's we're now seven days away from having to get out of the house. We have no idea where we're going, (laughs) no other house to go to, no other option, no other thing, no plan B. (laughs) And I'm within one week of having to move out of the house with three little kids and a wife, no idea where we're gonna go and, and just feeling failure, feeling desperate feeling like, Lord, what? Like, why would you lead us here to leave us here? And guys, if I could just pause on this kind of this valley of despair, this valley of like desperation and failure, this might be an overstatement, but I would argue it's not until we get there that God actually has our attention. Guys, most of you, your lives, most of our lives are so comfortable, are so controlled, are so put in order. You have so many plan Bs. You have so many escape routes. You have so many safety nets. You don't even think about God, much less need him. And it's not until we get into the uncomfortable place and we get past the euphoria of just, oh, we did something great for God, that we find ourselves in the valley of desperation and failure, that God has our attention. And guys, it's there in that uncomfortable place Peter reaches out his hand. He's not calling for his brothers in the boat. He's not saying, row over here and get me. He's not calling for his dad. He's not calling for the He sticks out his hand and he calls on one name and one name alone. And it's the only name that can change his life. Guys, the reason your comfort is at war with God's plan for growth in your life is because your comfort so often insulates you from your perception of your need for God in your life. And so God, in his kindness, he leads us. And we get into that valley of desperation. We get into that valley of failure when obedience has not produced the fruit yet we expected obedience to produce. And I love the next part of the journey. His hand is out, the hand of Jesus reaches down. And this is where Peter begins to experience the gospel. Guys, it's so different when you're in a community of people that have heard the gospel and know the gospel versus being in a community of people that have experienced the gospel. Profoundly different things. Some of you, you know the tenets of the good news of Jesus, but it's been a long time since you've been aware of Jesus' rough nail scarred hands touching your hands. And it's only in that place of desperate neediness Do we cry out again in our world of self-sufficiency? Do we cry out again and go, hey God, I need you to do something. So Peter cries out and it's not just that he knows the gospel or thinks the gospel or believes the gospel, but he begins to experience the gospel in a fresh way again. And Jesus reaches down and he pulls him up and it's as he pulls him up, I want you to notice the way this journey ends. It ends with clarity. Whoa, you are the son of God. It ends with worship, like, oh my goodness, you are the king of the universe. And then and only then do you begin to see the fruit of growth in their life. What they wanted to experience was, okay, we heard the truth, we believe the truth, we experience the truth and we grow in the truth up and to the right. But what you're gonna see over and over and over and over in the disciples life is that Jesus goes, Hey, you matter too much for me to leave you exactly where you are. And if I leave you there in that place of comfort, you won't grow. And you can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely will you have both. And so Jesus says, Hey, come on. And I love just, just watching the way that Jesus shows up all throughout the story as Peter is on this roller coaster. Of faith, I want you to notice that Jesus is not just in the moment with them, but he's above the moment. He's both and. Guys, it's amazing. Peter is going under the water. Jesus is not on the shore shouting, hey, here's how you swim. This is the breaststroke. Jesus isn't on the shore shouting theological statements. When Peter is getting swallowed up in the midst of his discomfort, where's Jesus? He's right in the middle of it. Jesus is right in the middle of it, but I want you to notice, he's not just in it. He's also above it. He's not just on the water. He's above the water. It's it's not comforting to have a friend that's just willing to drown with you. It wouldn't have been comforting for Jesus to have just jumped in the water and sunk to the bottom with Peter. He was in it, but he was above it. He's present and he's omnipresent. He's incarnate, he's transcendent. And this is why he's such good news to those that find themselves in the uncomfortable journey of faith. He's in it, he's above it. He's not just in it and above it, but Jesus, I want you to notice this all throughout the story, he's far more interested in growing Peter up, not just getting Peter through. He's not just trying to get Peter from point A to point B, from here to there, from that side of the shore to this side of the shore. Like like Jesus has never bowed his knee to the American idol of efficiency. Have you ever noticed that? His, His timeline's just so different. He's not obsessed with the destination. He understands the significance of the journey. Jesus always seems to take the most circuitous route, the most illogical path because he's not just interested in getting Peter through the moment. He wants to grow Peter up in the midst of the moment. And so here Jesus is exhausted, weary, grieving, walking to the other side, and he doesn't just eliminate the moment they're in. He stops to say, I want you to grow in the midst of this. See, it's all throughout the scriptures. Remember that the people of Israel, they're, they're enslaved in Egypt. And Jesus, uh, the Lord doesn't take them straight out of Egypt into the promised land. He takes them out of Egypt into the wilderness, why? Because he knew that he didn't just need to get them out of Egypt, he needed to get Egypt out of them. And the way that he was gonna get Egypt out of them was in the wilderness, the testing, the growing, the shaping, the uncomfortable reality of that barren place. Jesus is in it. He's above it. He's not just getting them through. he is growing them up. And I want you to notice this as we continue to walk this journey out together over the next couple of weeks is that all of the greatest places of joy in the kingdom of God lay just beyond your current level of comfort. All the greatest places of joy in the kingdom of God are just beyond the edge of your current place of comfort. The disciples didn't get into the boat and break out into this moment of worship. Worship came on the other side of their discomfort. One of the most significant moments of worship I've ever been in was among uh, among a group of persecuted church leaders in Northern India who had just come out of such unbelievable hardship. And they got in that room and they went, man, we're gonna worship, not because it's 10 a.m. and we're supposed to. We're gonna worship because God has had us on this journey and the journey has been uncomfortable, but on the other side of it, there's a joy. There's a joy. You can be comfortable or you can grow, but very rarely do you get both. That's why over the last four or five months as we've talked about, hey, God is disrupting us. You know, we came out of COVID, crazy disruptive two years. We'd only been back here a couple of months. And then it's like, hey, we're losing our venue. Where are we going? We don't know. And over and over over the last four or five months, I'm like, hey, I'm excited about this. Am I sad that we have five weeks left in there? Yeah, I am sad on the human level. I'm sad. There's some stuff we're grieving. But, but why, am, why am I legitimately excited? Because I believe we could stay in this building the rest of our life, we could be so comfortable here. But our comfort very rarely will lead to our growth or his glory. And I believe that on the other side of this great disruption, there is more to be had of God. This is true of us communally. This is true of you individually. Some of you right now, you're in a place where God is disrupting your sense of control. He's inviting you out of, of comfort. And here's what, I, here's what I would say to you is it's a lot better to choose to step out of the boat than to have your friends throw you out of the boat like they did to Jonah. Jonah's like, I'm not gonna do it. They're like, here you go. And God in his kindness, he gives us a choice to say, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna gonna get uncomfortable (laughs) because I believe that's where all of the good stuff comes. But over time, if you're not willing to go, he'll say, I'll help you along the way. And Jesus in his kindness, he's in the midst of all of it. One of the things I love about this story is I can't read it without seeing the journey of Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus, the son of God, before he came to earth in human form. I mean, he was just in the epitome of comfort, sitting as the centerpiece of heaven, all worship, all praise, all glory, all saved. Everything was at his disposal all around him. And Jesus said, you know what? I will step out of comfort. I will enter in to the most uncomfortable situation you can imagine. He doesn't just step into the skin of humanity. He steps into the skin of humanity as, as a poor kid in a poor family, in a small little town that nobody thought anything of. He steps into all of that discomfort. His whole life is marked by discomfort until eventually he stretches out his hands and that back that had been beaten and whipped and bloodied and scoured, laid against the uncomfortable reality of a wooden cross that was cut from a tree that he had spoken into existence. And in his discomfort, he stretched out his arms. He received the wrath of God against all human sin. Lay down in a tomb he didn't own. Gave up all control over his life. I love what the scriptures say is that no one took his life. He gave it. He gave it. Stepped over the edge of the boat. Got out on the water of trust, said, God, you've got to do what only you can do, trusting that his father was a promise keeper, and on the third day that he'd be raised to life. And here's what Jesus understood Jesus understood that before there was growth and before there was glory, there was discomfort. In the American counterfeit gospel, Is gonna say, if you hear the right thing, believe the right thing, you'll experience the right thing, and it'll be up and to the right. And you step into that, and it never works that way. And we all get so disenfranchised. We go, God, where are you? And Jesus goes, No, this is the way that I grow you. You can be comfortable, or you can grow but you're usually not gonna have both. (laughs) Guys, there's some of you here this morning, you've been sitting in this place of comfort. I don't even know what that is for you. And the spirit of God has just been beckoning, hey, take that step of faith, take that risk of faith, step in, whatever it is, God's just been stirring. Come on, take that step. And for some of you, you're just like, okay, Lord, I need to get over the edge of the, like, I just gotta get my feet on the water. For some of you, that's your story this morning. And here in a moment, as we receive communion, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, Literally, what we hold in our hands is the trophy of Christ's discomfort and of his victory. And as you receive the bread, as you receive the cup this morning, maybe you just need to confess to somebody around you, hey, I know the Lord has been calling me to take a step of faith. I'm scared to do it. Would you pray for courage and willingness to get out of the boat? For some of you, maybe you've put your feet on the water, but... You've gotten past that place of temporary euphoria. You're singing beneath the waves and you're struggling and you just need, man, you need somebody to help you call out for the Lord. Guys, it's safe this morning to just go, hey, we're in the in-between. For some of you, that's gonna be your statement this morning. Hey, I'm in the in-between. I need some help to call out to the Lord. Some of you, you're you're in a place on the journey where you stepped out, you've fallen under the waves. Jesus has called you up and you're now back in the boat. You're soaking wet. You're looking at all of your buddies that are so dry and they're worshiping and you're going, hey, it'd be fun to worship, but let me tell you, it's even more fun to worship when you're soaking wet. It's way more fun to worship when you're soaking wet. It's way more fun to, to worship Jesus as one that's walking with Jesus. For some of you this morning, maybe what needs to happen around the bread and the cup is you need to infuse some hope, some faith, some courage to the life of the people that you're with and to say, hey, when you go into the water, he will pull you out. He is there for you. I'm not sure where you're at this morning, but I'd encourage you, man, as as we sit with the Lord, as as we receive the elements, to let the spirit of God examine our hearts. If you want somebody to pray with you, there's gonna be some men and women at the respond banner, we'd love to do that we're gonna give the rest of our time this morning to just kind of ponder the journey of faith, to ponder Jesus in the midst of that journey of faith uh, through the bread, the cup, and worship and prayer. So let's stand together. I'm gonna to pray over us. And after I pray, you can go and get the communion elements. Come back, circle up your seats. Feel free to talk, to share, to pray, to encourage each other, however you see fit. So Father, thank you for just the way that you love us, the way that you understand us, the way that you move even when we don't have the courage to move. Lord, I thank you for the season that we're in as a church and Lord, we just receive it as an act of your grace. God, my sense is that there was probably some time ago where where you were inviting us to get a little more uncomfortable for whatever reason. We didn't hear it, didn't respond. And now you're giving us an opportunity to get out of the boat again. And so God, we praise you. We praise you for these seasons. God, we thank you for uncertainty. God, we thank you for the things that cause us to put our eyes and our our, our trust and our faith in you again. God, we thank you for the seasons of desperation that cause us to look to you in a fresh way. So Lord, wherever we find ourselves this morning in this moment, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you just beckon to us very gently Would you just call us to yourself and would you help us to take steps of faith however you see fit? Lord, as we do all of this, would our eyes stay fixed on you, the journey you've taken, the journey you're calling, and what what it is that you're doing in the midst of us? God, would you become more real and trustworthy in our hearts? Would we see your trustworthiness in a fresh way? In the name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen.